Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Sell Sports and Stuff podcast. It's been a while since I chatted with you. Uh, it's been a whole football season, actually. We started doing this last July, had a few guests, rolled into August, and then kind of put it on the shelf for a while. And I apologize for that, but, you know, trying to get some good guests for you. And at the same time, life happens, work happens, football season happens. So now that we're back out of football season, rolling into another one, here we are again. And I've kind of tweaked it. I've decided to do some different things here on the podcast. And one of them is uh, do a little more sportsy stuff and still have some really interesting guests who have interesting stories to share. So I'll kind of do that as we go along. I can't promise you you'll have a podcast every week, uh, maybe two in a week, maybe none for a couple of weeks. We'll see. But whenever one's up, I'll let you know. And I have some ideas going forward to uh, make this really worth your while to come here and listen whenever we have somebody. If you have missed uh, the first three guests, which were during the 2017 calendar year. Uh, I really invite you to go and listen. Great feedback on iTunes. I appreciate that at the WGR550.com website as well. Uh, The first episode was in late July. It was the inaugural episode. I talked with Joe Lazito, who was the intended fifth victim of a man named Maxime Gelman, who had already killed four people over a 28-hour killing spree in New York City. Uh, He stabbed three of them, ran over another one with a car. Joe was on a train, and he actually wound up stopping him, and he almost lost his life. He's actually a Bills fan. He lives down in uh, New York City area, and it was an incredible, incredible, powerful story. Uh, Please go listen to that if you get a chance. That was episode one. Right after that, we had episode two, uh, which was Emilcar Hill, Uh, um, and I... I say his name wrong all the time. Amilcar, Amilcar Hill. I apologize. It's DJ Milk, as you know him. Um, experienced a tragedy and heartbreak that no parent ever should. Uh, in the summer of 2009, uh, he lost his seven-year-old son in a car accident on the New York State Thruway. And, uh, you know, it's just his story about that and how his life has evolved. And a lot of you know him from Bills and Sabres games. So, Please go listen to that as well. I think it's actually pretty inspirational how, you know, he's kind of lived his life in honor of his son and what they've done since then. And then uh, not as, you know, I guess emotional, but pretty cool stuff. Episode three was Ryan Nobles. Now, Ryan is a White House correspondent, basically, for CNN. Uh, He is also a big Buffalo Bills fan. That's why I reached out to him. It was really cool. And we talked a lot about what it was like leading up to the election and covering all that and what goes into covering politics. So all of that is at the South Sports and Stuff podcast on iTunes, WGR550.com. And we're here today to... uh, do another one with you, and I'm going to get to that in a little while, and I'm going to talk to Poncho Billa. Do you remember Poncho Billa from the draft? If you're a Bills fan, you probably do. Uh, He is the man who's battling cancer. He's been battling cancer for a while, going through chemo and radiation. Uh, He was at the draft in Dallas. He was part of the Bills' inner circle, as they called it. They brought him up on stage, Andre Reid and uh, Fred Jackson did. They brought him up on stage to announce the Bills' pick, which was Harrison Phillips, and talked with him about his life. And about being in that moment, up on stage, at the draft, all that kind of stuff. So I'll get to that 
in a little while. It's a very interesting conversation. Recorded that with him, so I'll let you listen to that. But in the meantime, like I said, I want to kind of also do some different things with this podcast. And one of the things is just to kind of catch up a little bit on sports here and give you a few takes. Maybe you don't hear me enough in the morning. You're driving in. Uh, you can't listen on Saturdays when I'm on. Whatever it is, maybe you just want some Buffalo sports talk. I, I just want to talk about last weekend and what it was like. <laughs> What a weekend we had in Buffalo sports. Can you imagine and can you think of a better weekend for the two teams combined? At least not, I would say, over the last 20 years, it seems like. Uh, the Buffalo Bills and Sabres. Maybe that's hyperbolic because there's probably been some games. I mean, I don't know. Did the Sabres win the weekend that the Bills beat the Patriots in 2011? That might have been a great weekend, right? A big win, something like that. Uh, but it, it was pretty incredible winning the lottery for the Sabres with Rasmus Dalin. I think we're going with Dalin. I say Dalin. I think it's Dalin. I think it's Dalin. I don't know. Either way, Rasmus Dalin. We'll get it from him. And that's going to be the guy they're going to choose. And if you haven't seen highlights of him uh, playing over in Sweden, my gosh, uh, this guy is incredible. This guy, this kid, he's a kid. He's 17 years old. He's going to be 18 years old. People are saying he's the best defenseman to come into the NHL draft in 40 years, going back to 1973 with Denny Potvin. And that would be, what, 45 years ago. And that was the year I was born, 1973. That's how old I am. And Denny Potvin, as you know, was an incredible player with the New York Islanders, a part of their four-in-a-row Stanley Cup teams that they had. Uh, you look back, I did some research here. Think about all the defensemen that have uh, been selected number one in that time. Counting Denny Potvin, there have only been 11 defensemen in 45 years selected number one overall. It looks like this will be the 12th. This year when the Sabres select Rasmus Dahlin. And these are names that you know. Aaron Ekblad, Eric Johnson of the Blues, Chris Phillips of the Senators, uh, Brian Berard of the Senators, Ed Jovanovski of the Panthers, Roman Hammerlick of the Lightning, Gord Kluzak going back to 1982. Remember him from some of those Sabres playoff years. He didn't really have a uh, great career, though. I don't exactly know what happened if it was injuries or not. Uh, he's one of the guys that played the fewest. In fact, I think he played the fewest games now that I look of all these guys selected number one. Rob Ramage had a really good career. Rick Green with the Capitals in 76. Greg Jolly with the Capitals in 74. Didn't play a ton. And and then uh, Potvin, of course. You look at some of the number two overall. If, basically, the, the point here is if you are selecting a defenseman, one, two, or three overall, he's going to be good. I think <laughs> chances are he's going to be really good. Uh, Barry Beck, Dave Babich, Chris Pronger, um, Wade Redden was on this. Drew Doughty, 2008. Victor Hedman in 2009, all number two overall picks. And the number three, even, if you want to go to that, uh, overall picks. You got Scott Niedermeyer on this list. Uh, Brad Stewart's here. Jay Bomeister. Uh, Cam Barker, looking at something he what he didn't play very much. Jack Johnson. So, you know, you got a lot of interesting names. On, Zach Bogosian's on this list, number three overall in 08 by the Atlanta Thrashers. He's now playing for the Sabres. But, you know, this kid is basically considered a generational type of defenseman. I get so excited when I hear people talk about him because uh, we haven't had a guy like that in Buffalo. I mean, obviously Jack Eichel coming here, but really that you can just point to as the one guy that every single team wanted in the draft because in the Eichel draft, it was McDavid. You know, Eichel was, I guess, for a better lack of term, the consolation prize, even though he is a terrific, terrific talent and really amongst, I think, one of the best players in the NHL. But you get the point. I mean, this kid, Rasmus Dallin, there's no team in this league that would not take him number one overall, I think, regardless of what need you have. So go on YouTube. Check out some of the um, highlights of him. It's incredible. Some of the people that have... Uh, come on, WGR, in the morning show or afternoon show, they've talked about him, his coach, teammates, uh, people have seen him play in some of these international 
uh, leagues and games and things like that. Some of the things they have to say about him are pretty incredible, and I'm very excited for this. And I think all Sabres fans should be. And you know, obviously, I think the organization needs it. Uh, they need a shot in the arm after the poor season they had last year, the attendance and ticket sales, and the way that thing is going right now with you know people just not wanting to go to games and you. You can basically give away tickets, it seems like, on the secondary market. I know you can, actually, just give away tickets to a lot of people. I've known people who have done that. Then you get to the arena, and pretty much half of it is filled with the opposing team's fans. So hopefully all of that stops, and hopefully this is a young man who this team can really build their defensive core around for many, many years. He can move the puck up to guys like Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt, who had a really fantastic second half, and this team can go forward and really start playing amongst the playoff contenders again and even going beyond that uh, over the next several years. The Bills, uh, they draft Josh Allen with their first pick, number seven overall, after trading up from number 12. Now, some of you hated Josh Allen, and some of you are either, well, I wouldn't say, I don't know if anybody who loved Josh Allen. I was never nearly as low on him as so many people, even before the draft. If you listen to me on WGR, I said many times, I think it's unfair the draft process would happen to Josh Allen because there seems to be this you know draft online uh, subculture, if you will, that people just seem to latch on to whatever certain people say. And as soon as a few started saying, well, he's inaccurate and he can't hit the broad side of a barn and I wouldn't take him. Then everybody seemed to jump on that and say, well, that must be true. If you go back and watch him, and I'm going to be doing some more stuff on this, and I'm going to be putting together some more uh, videos and breakdowns, and I've done a little bit of that so far at my YouTube page. Go find it, uh, Sal Capaccio on YouTube. If you go and find that, you can see where I think he really does struggle with accuracy is when he tries to throw with just his arm. And he probably, here's my guess, Josh Allen is so powerful in his arm. When he was growing up, he didn't have to be really good mechanically. He could j- basically just throw balls as far as he wanted and fit them into windows wherever he wanted against high school and college-level defensive backs uh, with just basically not worrying about his mechanics. And somebody probably along the way didn't take enough time to try and fix those and say, hey, as you get older and as you get to higher levels, you have to do this better and that better. And I think that once he, when you see him do the right, have the right mechanics and step the right way and put his shoulders where it's supposed to be, he's fine. He's just as accurate as anybody, actually, and he throws the hell out of the football. Uh, when he breaks down is when he doesn't do that, when he steps flat-footed and tries to throw instead of stepping forward uh, with his arm, with his upper torso and not using his body. And he said that in his introductory press conference in Buffalo. He said when he's off platform, I like the way he said that, when he's off platform with his feet is when he has the most issue. And that's what I've seen as well. Tremaine Edmonds, um, I I didn't think at all the Bills had a shot at this kid. What I thought, though, was that if they didn't take a quarterback, if someone wasn't there at 12, that all the guys were gone and they just missed out, that maybe he was a guy that they would target and he would be there at 12 and he'd be a good pick. Well, guess what? They get him at 16 after trading up from 22. That was a a really nice trade for this team, I think, to get up there, grab this kid. Uh, He's going to be, I think, a star in this league. He's going to be a force in the middle of their defense for many years. It's documented he's only 19. I think he turned 20, actually, now that I do this podcast this week. He's 20 years old. He's going to be a young player with a really, really bright future ahead of him. Comes from great bloodlines. His dad played for the Miami Dolphins, Farrell Edmonds, for many years. Uh, His brother got drafted in the first round by the Steelers. First time that's ever happened. Two brothers go in the same first round of the draft. Uh, He had another brother who actually, kind of a funny story, his other brother who went to Virginia Tech was Bruce Smith's son's roommate at Virginia Tech. So you got Farrell who played against Bruce in those 
glory years, heyday years, the Bills-Dolphins rivalry. Then you had Farrell's son and Bruce Smith's son, who were roommates at Virginia Tech together, and now Farrell's other son is going to be playing for the Buffalo Bills. So life kind of comes full circle. Harrison Phillips, I think he'll go right into the defensive line rotation for the Bills. People think he's the next Kyle Williams. Maybe. I think that's pretty high praise. I think that's also a pretty unfair comparison for him right away, but uh, this is a guy that I know that the Bills really like. Uh, Sean McDermott, the wrestling background we know, and it does matter, I think, if you are a guy that plays multiple sports, and especially a sport like wrestling for your lineman. It helps your feet, helps your base, your strength, uh, down low, your core. Um, really, I think this is a guy that's going to come in and be a part of this defense, but not someone that you're going to be getting a ton of snaps from, 75% of the snaps. They just don't do that in Buffalo. Sean McDermott rotates you know, his defensive line, and you're going to get guys that get 30 to 40 snaps, uh, percentage-wise, and that's about what he will probably get his rookie year. I wrote about this, WGR550.com. Go check it out. My expectations for all of the Bills rookies in the 2018 class. All right, so like I said, I got a lot planned here for the podcast, how we want to morph this thing and things I want to do with it. I got some other really cool things planned for my Bills coverage for all of you this year, so stay tuned to that. Follow me on Twitter, at SalSports, WGR550.com. Hope you subscribe to the podcast. Please do so. I'm going to take you to my latest interview. It is with Pancho Billa, whose real name is Ezra Castro. He's battling cancer, going through chemotherapy, radiation. He was up on stage in Dallas to announce the Bills' third-round pick of the 2018 NFL Draft. Ezra, first of all, thank you very much for uh, joining me here on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. It's my pleasure to have you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Where are you right now? Where do you live and uh, where are you right now? I currently live in Dallas, Texas. I've been here for about 17 years, originally from El Paso, Texas, and um, moved over here to Dallas to finish uh, school, and uh, never been back to El Paso uh, to live. Uh, made this my home. So you grew up um, down there. You've you've lived down in that area basically your entire life. My whole life. Uh, I've been a Texan my whole life. Born and raised. Um, no relationship to New York, Buffalo. As a matter of fact, when I chose the Bills to be my team, I remember my dad asking me, "Do you even know where New York is?" And I said, <laughs> "No, and I don't care." That's I chose the Bills, and that's what I want to follow. <laughs> that's funny. So, so tell me about that. How how did you wind up choosing the Bills to be your team? So, when I was about um, seven years old, I was playing peewee football. My dad had put me to start playing football, and uh, I remember the drive home one day, and he said, "You know, you really should start rooting for a team so that you can learn the game, follow your position." And uh, my dad's a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, and he, he really was pushing the America's team on me. And I said, "Look, Dad, I was like, I see the Mexican flag every day because I grew about a hundred. I grew up about a hundred yards from the Mexican border." And I said, "Is there a team that has a red, white, and green?" And he said, "No, there's no such team of the with those colors." And I was like, "Okay, well, what about the American flag?" And he said, well, you got the Patriots, you got the Bills. And I was like, yeah, the Bills. I like the Bills. I like that charging logo. Hmm. Um, and um, he said, are you sure? And I was like, that's what I want. I want the Buffalo Bills. He goes, you don't want to be a Cowboy fan? I said, no, no way do I want to be a Cowboy fan. So um, I chose the Bills because of the logo over the Patriots logo. And uh, been a fan since 1986, right before Jim Kelly you know, came on board with the team. So uh, I've been rooting for them since. How old are you? Can I ask? Uh, sure. I'm 38 years old. Um, actually, my birthday's on May 31st. I'll be turning 39. Yeah. 
you know, what's cool to me about that story is, um, you know, I have a four-year-old son and, you know, in our house, it's Buffalo sports. He roots for Buffalo sports because he grew mm-hmm. up here, but we're, I'm also a Yankees fan. So he's a Yankees fan. But if he chose to root for another team, I, I, you know, people say, well, you can't let him root for the Red Sox or whatever. And I'm like, well, if that's what he chooses, mm-hmm. that's what he chooses. What's cool to me about your story is your dad gave you that freedom as big of a Cowboys fan as he was. He's like, son, you pave your own way and do what you want to do. Exactly. He said, you know, you, you got to choose a team. And um, I'm so glad he gave me that opportunity to choose a team. Um, I will add, he, I'm the third son of four. So my his first son, my oldest brother, he was pretty much screwed. He, he was a Cowboy fan. <laughs> but the, the, the second, third, and fourth ones, he sort of let us like, hey, whatever you all want to do, you know, choose a team, let's follow them, support them. You can't give up on them, win or lose. And so uh, my other two brothers are Bronco fans, and uh, I'm the only Bills fan in the family. Uh, but I think my dad has a second favorite team now after this weekend. He he's always uh, appreciated, um, you know, my my fanship to the Bills, and this just iced it for him. And he he's a, a huge, you know, second Buffalo Bills fan now for for him for sure. We'll uh, definitely he, talk he, about. He was, that weekend and uh, how everything went for you. I do want to ask you, what's it like when the Bills play the Broncos or the Bills play the Cowboys in your house? Oh man, it is so crazy. It, uh, you know, I had such a huge rivalry within our family, especially back in the nineties when the Super Bowls, uh, when the Cowboys were playing the Bills. Uh, I still remember I wouldn't talk to my brother for the whole week <laughs> uh, during the, during that week. I mean, we all had our own separate rooms. And it was like, you stay in your room, I'll stay in mine. You know, Jim Kelly's going to, you know, throw 10 touchdowns. Bruce Smith's going to get at Troy Aikman. And, um, gosh, that was such a huge rivalry. And even today, after the Bills finish playing, I usually end up with my, my brother just to watch the Cowboys lose and go root against them. <laughs> and and he, he loves it, though. He loves, you know, me showing up at the bar with him if the Cowboys are away um, and rooting against them. And as far as the Broncos, it's not too bad. You know, we're in the same conference, um, but we do travel to Denver when the Bills are visiting there uh, to watch that game. And, you know, it's just back and forth. You know, uh, Von Miller's going to get to so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And um, it, it's such a, a strong brotherhood of that the NFL has made us even stronger, giving us that extra passion and that extra love for each other. Uh, we're really tight knit about our teams, and um, when when they play each other, it's it's uh, you know back and forth text messages throughout the week. You know, so and so's injured. Oh, we can't wait to do this to you guys now, and um, you know we're gonna get you here. Blah blah blah. It, it's so fun, and I love my brothers to death. I I, I really wouldn't be a, a fan 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 of the NFL if it wasn't for them and our upbringing with the sport. Well, tell me a little bit about your family. Um, tell me about mom and dad and growing up and what they did and uh, just your life growing up and becoming sure. a, a young child yes, to an adult. Um, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in El Paso, literally about 100 yards from the Mexican border. Um, we had the biggest house in the neighborhood. It was a two-story house. And uh, my mom was a registered nurse uh, as I was growing up. My dad worked for the El Paso Electric Company for over 30 years. You know, middle class family just bringing up four boys. Um, when you now, say you had the biggest all, house, is that because you had more means? Like, were your parents more well off maybe than other people in the neighborhood, or just because you needed more right. space? No, well, 
because of both, because of both, you know, my mom being a, a an RN, one of the main nurses in the big hospitals in El Paso, um, working two jobs to support four growing boys. Can you mm-hmm. imagine our, we had two refrigerators and two freezers in our house <laughs> and, uh, she, yeah, she worked two jobs and my parents were divorced. So my dad was real supportive of when my mom wasn't there. My dad was there helping her out at the house and, uh, bringing us more food. Um, but yeah, four boys and, uh, we all grew up, um, we were raised Mormon, uh, which is a fact that a lot of people don't know about Pancho Villa. I was raised Mormon and, um, you know, we had a good church upbringing, a family, a strong family of faith. And to this day, I, I still practice the faith. Um, it, it's, it's a blessing that our, our parents did that to us because everybody needs to have some type of faith to fall mm-hmm. back on. Um, and then, you know, as the, the years grew by, uh, the four boys just, we started, uh, the part in the home slowly. And I've got, uh, two brothers who are in the Dallas police department and, uh, myself, I'm a practicing mortician here in Dallas. Wow. And my younger brother is a veterinarian here in Dallas. What are the ages yes, of your, uh, and, your brothers? Uh, um, I, it's a good question. I believe my oldest is 45 and then 45, 43. And I'll be 39 and then 37. So it's, you know, we're, we're separated each by each other by two years. And then there's a three-year gap. And then the, me and my younger brother are two years apart. Um, but it was like the perfect age. We all grew up together. I mean, the youngest was, you know, say 10 years old. The oldest was about 16. So we all grew up pretty much, you know, outside in the, back in the 80s and 90s. Um, Kids were able to play outside, and uh, did you all play such sports? A fun time playing football at the time. Actually, believe it or not, I was the only one that played football of all four of us. Um, my my two older brothers were too much of a into the heavy metal era, you know, eighties <laughs> and nineties. Yeah, long hair, tight well, jeans. What, what you know, were their uh, bands uh, of choice here? What do we got? Uh, Poison, oh, they, they Iron Maiden, play. Van Halen. Yeah. Van Halen, uh, Cinderella, Motley Crue. There you go. There you go. And then, you know, I came to uh, Sepultura, Slayer, and the hardcore heavy metal came in. Um, and, of course, there I was, too, following the, the bands because my older brothers are jamming in their room as loud as they can be on the radio. <laughs> and so I picked it up, too. But, yeah, I was the only one that played sports um, through the school years. Uh, you know, every parent puts their child in soccer and baseball when they're three, four, five years old, but that actually carried it on and continued uh, playing football. I was the only one that, that played through my high school year and uh, played offensive line center. So I loved Eric Wood uh, on the team. And that was a position I, my dad said, you got to learn that position. You got to follow it. And sure enough, throughout my high school year, I was a center. I, I was long snapper. I was field goal snapper. And, um, you know, I was a, the front man calling the defense and saying, watch for this linebacker, watch for this, you know, they're, they're, they're coming your way over there. And, um, yeah, that, that was fun. That was fun playing on the offensive line. I did loved, you play uh, any other sports besides dirty, football? Dirty work. Um, I did track and field. I did shot put and discus. That's about it. Um, so you're a pretty strong guy. That, I mean, how, what, what, what do you, uh, I, when you were in high school, like how big were you height wise, weight wise? Oh, I was I'm five seven and in high school I topped off at about two ninety. Mm. So I was pretty yeah. you know 
you know, as Mexicans, we're small and we're stout the, the wrong way. <laughs> we, we grow the wrong way. Yeah. And, uh, so I was a, a you know, small lineman at five, seven. I mean, I was pretty small compared to my, my, the guards and the tackles on the offensive line. Um, but I was so quick. That's what, uh, God blessed me with is I was so quick to able to, you know, snap the ball, pitch off the nose tackle, pick up a linebacker. And so we always ran off the, the one and zero holes um, straight up the middle. I mean, we just did such a great job with it. And proud to say that I was uh, uh, class of 97 in my high school, and we brought the first district championship to our high school, awesome. uh, Riverside High School. Yeah, my senior year. And that was a monumental moment for the high school because High school's been around for years, and they never won a district championship until uh, when my class was in '97. Did you? Cool. You probably knew. I mean, you weren't going to go on and play college football at your size. You know what I mean? I mean, not many oh, people yeah, recruiting no. five seven centers out there. But you know, you kind of you, no. you didn't have any aspirations <laughs> of that, or what? No, no, I didn't. I I knew I there there was no way at my height. I said, "There's no way I'm ever going to play college football." So I, I knew the last game of the season. Well. We were actually in the playoffs, in the area district uh, champion uh, playoffs, and I knew I was like this could be my last game ever played, and sure enough, it was. And and, and I didn't have the aspiration, the the inspiration to go play college ball or anything. I said, no, there's there's more to me than than playing college ball, and I didn't want to change positions or anything like that. So um, I said, there's no way. I and mean, we played a net playoff game. We played a city called Andrews here in Texas. Our smallest guy on the roster, on our team roster, was their biggest, uh, their smallest guy. Your biggest guy sense. was their so, smallest guy. Right, exactly, on the team. So, I mean, we just got, <laughs> we got plastered. <laughs> yeah, there was no way. So, and our tallest guy didn't even start. He was our punter. <laughs> that's funny i know the way so, that texas football can be for sure everything everything's a little bit yeah uh, exactly a little bit bigger and uh, <laughs> a little bit more intense so so what'd you do by the way we're speaking with ezra castro you know him on twitter and online as poncho billa you remember him from the nfl draft uh, announcing one of the bills draft picks with andre reed and fred jackson we'll get to that, that in a little while i want to talk about you know after you know your high school years you're growing into a man did you go to college um did you just go right into the workforce kind of take me through those years leading up to you know maybe your your adult life yes sir so after college you know i hung out for a summer or two and uh just you know I was, so uh, you did go to college lower 20s and i did i, I went to um uh, Paso community college took some basic courses i wasn't sure what i still wanted to do i wanted I did actually want to go into radio, but I was unsure about it. And, um, you know, the, the parting days were just catching up to me. I, I lost all my muscle mass from high school. I gained weight up to about almost 310. Yeah. So I was just a big old blob. And hmm. um, uh, I, I finally decided, I said, you know, I got to do something. I went to a wedding one day and I spoke to a gentleman that was sitting next to me and he was a mortician. And uh, I spoke to him through the whole wedding. I missed the whole dance, the whole cake, everything. I ended up enrolling into mortuary school, and it was in Dallas. And my brother was already here as a police officer. And I called him up at 3 in the morning, and I said, hey, do you know where this street is and this school? And he said, yeah, that's like in the worst area of Dallas. What do you want to do there? And I said, well, there's a mortuary school. And um, he said, oh, really? I was like, yeah. So I... I ended up enrolling that night, and two months later, I was in mortuary school. Wow. Um, moved to Dallas, and 
I've been practicing mortuary for, uh, I've been working at a funeral home for the last 16 years. I'll have a 16 year anniversary coming up in July. That's amazing. Um, I had to get out of, I knew I had to get out of El Paso in order to finish college, get some type of a degree because I was just um, partying. And believe it or not, Pancho doesn't drink. Um, I don't, I don't drink. I don't smoke, don't do drugs. Um, but I was just out all the time, just not focused on life and what I wanted to do. I was getting ready to turn into my twenties. And I said, man, the only way I'm going to finish and do something here is if I leave El Paso and come back with a degree of something and, uh, just never made it back home. Uh, ended up staying here cause I am bilingual and in the Dallas Fort Worth area, there's, you know, that that's a huge plus. And uh, started working at a funeral home in Irving, Texas, and uh, been there 16 years. Mortuary uh, school, being a mortician, not necessarily the job you think of, dream of when you're a kid, but you seem to have a passion for it. That's no. cool. Oh, yeah. just um, It's the greatest feeling in the world to be able to help families at the worst time of need. Um, I mean, I, I've seen some of the worst situations, and uh, you could probably imagine, and uh, I mean, Death has no age, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you can't schedule death, and uh, it, it's it's just uh, it's humbling. It's always humbling to help families and at the worst time of need, and that hug at the end of the funeral, you know, is always a it's 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 an emotional rush for me to just get that hug and and know that everything went fine and their loved one is resting at peace now and the family's okay and they're they're happy the way things. Um, the event went and uh it's it's just a humbling career and um i'm back at it believe it or not i'm i'm still working through chemo treatments and uh, uh radiation and uh, i work when i can i have a great boss who's uh, giving me that blessing to be able to continue working uh through my treatments um, what? are you yeah, being a mortician is, is humbling no, I have a I have a girlfriend. She's Pancho Villa's number one supporter, <laughs> and believe it or not, Sal, she is a Dallas Cowboy fan. Can no. you believe that? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's gotta... yeah. She's a Dallas. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, that's but, okay. She's she's as much as you know. Yeah, your dad gave like you the said, freedom. You know that that's what it's got to be, right? Oh yeah, and and she knows. I have two kids. I have Panchito. His name his real name's Ginobili, like the first player. Okay. And uh, my daughter Lourdes, we call her Lulu. She's two years old, so we're a, a living family. We we live together, and uh, it's it's that's been such a blessing. Uh, but yeah, she she supports Pancho Villa to the max. I mean, I couldn't attend away games if she didn't give me the the go, and uh, my boss as well. Um, but. No, she she loves Pancho Villa. She says, "Go do your thing." No, there's no questions asked. Um, you know, she she loves her Cowboys, and everyone tells me you ought to just convert her to a Bills fan. And I said, you know, I met her as a Cowboy fan. She's got to stick to her roots and just let her. I'm gonna let her be a Cowboy fan. And um, but she loves going with me to the Bills backers here in Dallas. She loves cool. going, and everybody loves her there. And she wears her gear, and she she cheers when we score, and uh, she's she's just been great. She's a loving mother, a loving girlfriend. I mean, she's she's been to every chemo treatment with me, every doctor's appointment. Uh, I couldn't have asked for a better uh, girlfriend in my life. So and, your kids uh, are how old? Too is your daughter? Actually, Panchito just turned uh, six on May first. Wow. He just turned six, and uh, my daughter is two and a half years old. She'll turn three in October. And uh, of course, they're Bills fans. There's no question about ah, it. Uh, I mean, 
they've been listening to a shout song since they were about six weeks in the womb. <laughs> That's funny. When she found out she was pregnant. Yeah, they, they listened to the shout song quite a bit in the womb, especially when mom was asleep and she didn't know I was playing the, the phone on her belly. They were listening to it, and they are the biggest Bills fans. I mean, they're the future of Bills Mafia, and my son just loves the Bills to the max. And my daughter's picking it up now, too. She's saying, let's go, Buffalo, and I'll play the shout song for her every day, and she dances around. And uh, um, yeah. I, I know I should give him a choice, but I, I just can't. <laughs> it's like, well, it's my first son. He's an automatic Bills fan. And it's a girl, the second one. So she's an automatic Bills fan, and no more kids. This is it. We're done. <laughs> I hear you. My son so Max is the same way. Fans. He loves he loves the shout song. He loves playing. He loves the Sabers goal song. So uh, they're kids. It's so fun yeah, watching them exactly. uh, in that experience. Oh. And you know, they're just so innocent. Oh, they they yeah. love it. They get into it. It's so cute. I, I want to obviously because of you know your kids being so young. This is obviously a a tough time that you're going through, especially for them. I'm sure. But oh, tell yeah. me about um, tell me about when you first found out that you had cancer mm -hmm. and what that was like and, you know, kind of walk us through, you know, how you told the family and things like that. Yes, sir. Um, so back last year when I was in Atlanta, uh, I was there for the Bills game. I thought I had like a bulging disc issue and my left arm was um, going numb, felt weird. And of course, being the, the man guy that I think I am, you know, taking the pain, I ignored it up until when I was in New York for the Thursday night game for the Bills and Jets game. And I was at the Statue of Liberty, and my whole left hand just went completely numb. I mean, it was painful. It was numbing, tingling. And I almost went to a hospital in New York and um, took some medicine there at the Statue of Liberty. It went away. I promised my girlfriend, I said, I will go to the doctor when we get home. And we got home, went to the doctors, and he ordered an MRI and uh, within 24 hours, I had the result, and my family physician called me back into his office and gave me the worst news. It was on November 10th when he gave me the worst news of my life that, you know, this could possibly de be derived from cancer. I had a, a mass sitting on my vertebrae, on my C7 and my T1 on the vertebrae. And I was like, man, a mass? Like, what, like, what do you mean a mass? A tumor? And he said, we don't know what kind of mass. It could be an infection. We need to send you to a specialist so that you can get it further tested and looked at. And, but he did tell me this possibly could be derived from cancer. Um, put me on some strong painkillers, um, nerve, nerve helpers, and stuff like that. I've got so much medicine going on. And uh, anyway, I ended up seeing a specialist, and he ordered a, uh, a PET scan and a CT scan and came back with the, the news that, you know, hey, this this issue is not only in your spine, there's several other, other places in your body where we're finding the same type of uh, mass. Um, so I was diagnosed in November with uh, metastatic um, adenocarcinoma biliary pancreatic cancer. Jeez. And I was like, boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Um, the scary word in there, obviously, is adenocarcinoma. Um, it's a blood cell, a uh, cancer cell, and, that, uh, and obviously it has spread throughout my body, so they consider it a stage four. Um, I've got lesions on my liver, lungs, lymph nodes, and I had surgery to remove the mass on my spine on December 13th because they were really concerned that that mass was pushing so much on my nerve and my bone 
and it had caused a fracture on my C7 spine. And they were concerned if that fractured completely that it could hit the, my spinal cord and I could easily just become a quadriplegic in an instant. I could be walking and just crack or someone hit me on the back real bad. So I had surgery for that. They removed it. They obviously got a biopsy while they were in there and they 100% completely confirmed uh, the cancer uh, at that point. And uh, it was full recovery mode from then on uh, to about late January when I started chemotherapy. I couldn't start chemo any sooner. They really wanted that bone to heal. They, I, I got two bones replaced in the vertebrae. Uh, they really wanted that bone to heal before chemo um, would make it even worse and not let it heal correctly. And uh, I've, I've done six sessions of chemo. I've done 10 days of radiation. I'll, I'll have my seventh session of chemo uh, this uh, coming Monday, May 7th. And um, I'll talk to my doctor again. Haven't seen him in about three weeks. Um, they've done some blood work and all that, so I'm hoping that you know he's got good results and maybe I could take a break or if he says let's continue, I'll continue or plan B. Um, I'm pretty much at the mercy of him and I, I trust him. God placed him in front of me, so I gotta trust uh, what he says. So um, this is a, that's there, pretty there, much the justice. There's it. a possibility that this could be you. You could completely recover and be cancer free. Um, you know, I mean, what what is the prognosis here? Well. Well, no, I'm going to be honest. The, the doctor said there's, uh, with this specific type of, of cell, cancer cell, there's no remission. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's an ongoing, uh, especially because it's metastasized, it's an ongoing cancer that's constantly going to, it can, tomorrow I could do a scan and it can be all of a sudden in my kidney or it could be in my stomach, it could be in my esophagus. Um, it's just traveling everywhere. And the fact that it's made its way to my spine. The doctor's really concerned. I mean, something that started in your gastrointestinal tract shouldn't have ever ended up on your spine. And which makes sense to me. I'm like, yeah, that's like on the opposite side of my body. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's no remission. Obviously there's no cure for cancers. Um, it's pretty much going to be, you know, like the doctor said, you're, you're going to be on some type of treatment for the rest of your life. And, you know, can only give you so many years of it because obviously the chemo medicine takes a toll on your body. Um, but I, it's like I told the doctor, you know, doc, those are statistics. Those are numbers. You're doing your job. You're telling me what you, you have to tell me. And I appreciate it, but you know, I'm just going to live it one day at a time and tackle it one day at a time. And uh, whatever you tell me to do, I'll just do it. And uh, as long as I'm here, I'm here and I'm going to live life to the fullest and there nothing's going to stop me. And I, I proved it at the NFL draft last week. I mean, I literally got unplugged on Wednesday and I had 20 under about 30 hours to recoup hmm. to be at the draft for round one. And, uh, I ate the right food, stayed hydrated, um, got up and walked around. I, I didn't just lounge at the home on the bed, on the couch. I, I stayed active while I was on chemo, keep that blood flow going. And, uh, I was able to be at the at the draft all three days and have a party for my son on Sunday for for Panchito, a huge party for him. So uh, all the prayers that everybody's been insane for me, I mean, they, they're really shining through, and that's a good example of how, how prayer, uh, prayer works right there. A lot of people are probably listening to this right now, um, you know, maybe either have a similar story or maybe in, in hopefully – 
they don't have to go through something like this, but if they do, they can maybe reflect upon what you're going to say. How did you talk to your kids about this? Well, my, I, I, I prayed about it and I said, you know, does a five-year-old, you know, does a five-year-old need to be introduced to the word cancer unless he's diagnosed with it? And I'll be honest, um, Panchito doesn't know that I'm diagnosed okay. with cancer at the moment. Obviously, my two-year-old, I mean, she's very blabbing, you know, buffalo. Right. <laughs> so there's no way to talk to her about it. But my son knows, obviously, I had surgery on my neck, and he knows dad's neck is still healing. Um, I watched uh, one of the Bills games with him in the hospital. Uh, so he came out, and he knew I was in the hospital, and I'm visiting the doctor. And a five-year-old, you know, that goes to a doctor, as you probably know, you know, the they're there to, the doctor's going to help you. So he knows the doctor's helping me at the point, at this point. And he says, when you go to the doctor again, dad, because I want to, I want to start wrestling with you again and, and do all the things we used to do, go outside and throw the football and things like that. And I'm slowly progressing, you know, to uh, doing that with him again. Um, but as far as he knows, just that, you know, dad had neck surgery. You got to be careful with dad's neck. Um, now my daughter Gosh, she, she's such an inspiration because when I'm on chemo at home for two days, she's here with me, with my mom. And I hope that one day I'm here to be able to tell her that she's the one that's kept me going through chemo because she's bugging me at six in the morning. You know, dad, 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 you know, uh, TV. That's, and she just makes me chase her around the house, mm -hmm. gets me to go outside and breathe some fresh air. It, it's almost like she was God sent and is pushing me through those two days at home with her energy. I mean, she, she's nonstop and obviously dad's home. So she's excited and watching cartoons with her and chasing her and, you know, playing tea and dolls with her. And, um, and I, I hope I'm around to tell her one day that, you know, you really kept me going through chemo and it, sort of reflects back on my mom being an RN, how she cared for others when they were sick. It's almost like my daughter, uh, Lulu was, is doing that for me now. Right. You know, that's the way I'm seeing it. Like she's caring for me when I'm, I'm here at home sick. And it's weird because she has found my port. I have a, uh, an IV port that was placed in my right chest for chemotherapy. And she knows it's there and she's always tapping it. Uh, she lay in bed with me and she's always tapping it like, like, what is this, dad? I know this is something. Why don't I have one? And uh, it, it's it's so touching to to feel that connection with her that, you know, she knows something's inside is inside of her dad, but she just can't grasp it because of her age. Mm -hmm. um, but gosh, I mean, she's she's a she's a little. Energy, she's an energized bunny. She just keeps me going. What else can I say about it? But um, yeah, and my son, you know, like I said, he, he doesn't know yet. Um, I, I just can't, I can't tell a six-year-old now. I can't, can't tell him that C word unless he was in that situation. I don't think he would have grasped it and understand what's going on at this point. Totally respect that. Absolutely. Uh, so let's transition to something a little more positive, and that's your experience at the draft. Um, you, uh, you became uh, a national star uh, that really capture the hearts of a lot of people, a lot of emotion. I know that um, I was in the Bills media room, and I have to be honest with you, in front of my colleagues, um, I had tears in my eyes, and I was watching that. It was pretty amazing wow. what they did, and um, it really kind of, they, they talked about you. Brandon Bean talked about you. 
And Sean McDermott talked about you when they met with the media. They mentioned how much that's the culture they're trying to build. They mentioned you by name, Pancho Villa, and, you know, what it meant to see you up there. So, you know, you're very well known here in Buffalo now. And even if people didn't really know your story, and hopefully this podcast helps them share that story. But how did the Bills reach out to you and get you to be a part of their inner circle? Well, um, back in February, I got a call from um, uh, a gentleman who helps run the Bills backers, Nico. And I was asleep, I'll be honest, when he called. But when I saw a 716 area code number, I mean, I jumped out of bed. Right. I said, uh-oh, <laughs> I got to get this. And um, back in February, I mean, nobody, not even in Dallas, anybody knew what the whole draft, how to get tickets, things like that. Nothing had really broke out. And Nico called me and said, you know, hey, Pancho, we, we want to offer, you know, what's supposed to be an inner circle experience where the fans sit on the field. And we want to offer them to you to share with the DFW Bills backers. And I was like, man, this is great. I mean, I've been waiting for ticket sales and stuff like that. And I mean, I, I didn't hesitate. I was like, come on, it. what do you need me to do? And he said, well, you got three days to get me a list of 50 names. Huh. And I was like, three days? <laughs> I was like, geez, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, no, consider it done. I mean, I he caught me out on a, on a non-chemo week, so I had the whole week, and I said, I will give me a day or two, and I'll reach back out to you with the names. And uh, um, sure enough, you know, me and my vice president, Mike Cipriani, we, uh, we, said, we, we did a uh, phone conference, and we said, hey, how can we approach this? And... Uh, we came up with a game plan, and uh, we, we gave out tickets to those who have been with the fan club the longest, who always are contributing, helping us with, you know, just make the, the club a success. And then we also wanted the club involved, so we did a mini lottery as well and put names in the bowl, and we drew names, and, hey, you're the lucky winner. You're going to be able to go to the draft with us. Uh, so we, we thought that was the best route to take. Um, but they that's how they reached out to me and I got the list to them on time and uh, they did a good job in, in staying in touch with me as far as as soon as we hear from the NFL, any other details, we'll get back to you and things like that. Nothing was ever mentioned about me going on stage at this point ever. No, I mean, I, nothing, it was a no, it's not going to happen, Pancho. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, the inner circle is plenty and you're giving us this opportunity is going to be awesome. And uh, we, we just rolled with it. I had a great time. So you had no idea that Fred and Andre would welcome you up on stage? No idea. What no was, idea what was at that, all. What was that um, moment like when they said that? Um, I still get teary-eyed and speechless. Um, it was just, oh gosh, it was like, I tell my girlfriend, there has to be a new word invented for the emotion I felt. Because it was, it was so... I mean, just so energized and so, you know, does the energizer bunny cry? It was, it was like that kind of a emotion. You know, you're so pumped up because the bills are on the clock and two legends are on the podium and they're talking about you and they want you to join them. It's like, man, like this is happening. And, and I'll just feel with so much emotion and excitement. So I can't tell you if I walked if I got floated or I got mosh pit carried to the stage, I really can't. I, I I don't remember actually getting to the stage. I remember the final two steps, actually walking up there and then 
it was a reality. It was like, I'm here. I'm in front of all these people. And there's so much emotion and things going through my head. Like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to announce this pick? Let's take a picture. I'm holding a jersey. What does the jersey say? I'm trying to, you know, just point out to my girlfriend, all the, the Bills backers that are there cheering me on. It was just such a huge emotional um feeling that I, I, I get I still get chills just even trying to describe it um, like I said there's there's got to be a new word and I haven't found the exact word for it of emotion that I just felt through the whole thing and anyway it happened so quick too um, before I knew it I was walking back down did you have to um, give was, the card I was back? a little nervous no I have the card yeah I, I, I figured that might happen that's and, cool yeah yeah I kept the card and Again, Phil was so emotional, I forgot to get Roger Goodell to sign it. So I've been on the phone these last couple of days trying to get through the NFL saying, hey, can I overnight this to you to have him sign it? And no one's calling me back. <laughs> uh, but you know yeah, what you I need? You know what you really need? Of, you need Harrison Phillips to sign it. Yes. I, I Believe it or not, Harrison Phillips, who, by the way, I, I announced the, the pick, and I didn't realize until about an hour and a half afterwards who we drafted. I mean, right. I, I, I read the name and I mean, there's just so much stuff going on that I was like, who did we draft? <laughs> you know? And they told me the next Kyle Williams. And I was like, Oh really? I was like, wow, what's his name? And they're like, well, read your card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he, he's actually, uh, he, he reached out to me on Twitter and said wow. that it was an amazing experience for him to, you know, to see it. And uh, he wished me well and said he'd be praying for me and, and hopes to meet me soon. So I, I, I hope to God I'm at the home opener and, you know, I come across him somehow and, and um, I'm able to have him sign um, the card or the Jersey, the draft Jersey would be awesome too. Uh, but yeah, I do have, I do have both. I, I kept that card in my hand. I didn't want to let go of it. I, I didn't want anyone to take it from me. And um, um, you do get up to Buffalo then every year, I guess for a game or two. What? Oh, Yes, sir, for sure. This will be my 11th straight home opener wow. this coming year, God willing. And um, I'm I, I, as much as I love going to Buffalo because of the food, the atmosphere, meeting fans there, just walking the malls and, um, you know, walking downtown. I love it. Um, I love going to away games because I love meeting fans that travel to see the Bills at away games. Um, I, I, love good, I love it. I love it too. I, you know, you've seen me out there. Yeah, we, we've I, seen each other, and I, you oh, know, yeah, it's great when I walk around the sidelines. You know, people who know me from radio or TV, they'll shout my name. I love going right. over and saying hi, as you and I have before, and it's amazing. I do. I right. agree with you. It's incredible the number of people you meet that are Bills fans around the country that go to these away exactly. games from all other cities too. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I've met people from Italy, from Ecuador. Um, I have a huge following in Mexico and the, the Bills Mafia Mexico, they travel. They, I mean, they international travel to these games. Um, obviously, I mean, from all over the, the states, these people travel to these games and I just love meeting the fans from everywhere. Um, I mean, when you go to Buffalo, yeah, you know, you got your, I've got, uh, you know, my, my buddies there and I hang out with them and, you know, the, the meeting, the people, you have to walk the tailgating and stuff, which I love doing too. But when you go to these away games, it's you're meeting people from all over the world that have traveled to watch this one game. And you hear their story about how they became Bills fans and why, why they travel and things like that. That just gets, it gives me a rush and I enjoy doing that. So 
I try to make it to Buffalo at least twice a year if I can, but mostly, you know, the away games is what, what I aim for, for that reason. And I only got seven more stadiums to knock out before wow. I've completed my, my journey at every, every visiting city. Um, and that's a goal of mine is to make every stadium. Uh, and I'll be at Indianapolis this year too, God willing, because that's the only stadium I haven't been to in this coming year's schedule. Have you been to the new um, one in Minnesota? I went to the old Minnesota uh, okay. Dome, and so um, I know there's a huge debate between me and my brothers because we always talk football. They're like, "Well, you you have to go back to Minnesota now. You have to go back to San Francisco now because they're new right, stadiums." And I'm like, right. "But I've already seen the Bills play that team. You know, that's the way I'm seeing it. Like, yeah. I've already been there. Uh, no, maybe I once it. I knock out all the stadiums, I'll go." I'll go to the new stadiums that that are are building. You know, the new corporate stadiums that are coming around. You know, no, nothing like new era field, man. Still traditional football, outdoors. You know, bleachers. I love the fact we still have bleachers. You know, all these new stadiums are too cushiony for me. They're, uh, I, I just, it's, it's not football. <laughs> you know, I totally get the it. Seats are too nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Ezra, listen. Um, all of Bills Mafia, Bills fans. Western New York, we're all pulling for you, yeah. but I think the entire country is after the draft. You know, you really captured oh. the spirit of what um, just pulling for your fellow human and helping one another is all about. And, you know, you, your your story your story you just shared here is equally incredible about your life, and, and I hope that people, you know, really take it to heart and pay attention because uh, you have a true uh, story to share and you have a great family, and we're all pulling for you, man. I know you're going to be great and, you know, come through on this thing totally with a great bill of health. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All I ask is for people to just keep praying for me and my family and my children. Um, you know, that that's, you know, they, they got this GoFundMe for me and all that. And yeah. Tell me about that. Where, where, where can we find that? What can we do there? Yeah. Uh, Katie, Katie O'Brien, the, the Bill's backers president from Houston, she just um, said, I'm starting to go me for you. And so, and it, it's blown up. And I told her, Katie, I, I need prayers. That's what I need. It, it's not the money. I need prayers. And she said, well, I'm still starting it for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's blown up. Um, but, yeah, it's a, just a GoFundMe, Poncho Power. You can find it under that. And then, uh, I mean, there's, Sal, there's just so many people to thank. You know, uh, obviously, Bill's Mafia, they're the ones that uh, started this huge trend for me. Uh, the Red Pinto Tailgate, they, they've been involved with me. All the backers around the, the world. I mean, and I'm talking backers, like I said, from Ecuador. There's Bill's backers, Ecuador. Who would have ever thought? Right. Okay. You know, That's crazy. Uh, they're praying for me. And, uh, and of course, the Bill's organization, they, they've been so great. And uh, I, it's like I, I don't know how I'll ever repay the Buffalo Bills and the city of Buffalo for what they've done for me. For a guy from Texas, no relationship to New York, you know? I mean, who would have ever thought, right? No kidding. Um, it's incredible. It's yeah, incredible. And by the way, your, your gear, your getup is amazing it really is i mean what I, we, yeah. we, we didn't even talk it's, about where you got all that stuff from and how you came about let, it let's just let's just say it fell off a truck <laughs> the, the southern side of the of the world <laughs> it's amazing it yeah, really is you are uh, <laughs> you, you look like a superhero yeah. in there you know if my son looked at that he'd think that you were in a marvel movie or something a marvel movie yeah, yeah. well i try to i try to make it like that you know pancho villa the, yeah. the mexican uh general and you know, I just add a little twist to it, obviously, and some logos. Um, but uh, 
yeah, that's why I said it. The name worked out perfect with the outfit I was creating. And I'm not adding no more because it takes me about 20 minutes to get ready <laughs> just to, you know, in the parking lot to, you know, obviously I can't drive with that stuff on. So I'm there in the parking lot getting ready for about 20 minutes. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not adding no more stuff to this outfit. I'm, this is it. This is the final version. <laughs> well, listen, so, I want everybody to go uh, follow you on Twitter. It's at Poncho Billa one. That's Poncho Billa. Yes. One, and the number one, uh, we want to use the hashtag Poncho power. Uh, when you want to tweet at him or help out Poncho Billa in his fight here uh, against cancer. And we're going right. to read this thing for him. We're going to go help go to the uh, GoFundMe page. Like you said, it's Poncho power at the GoFundMe page. So uh, let's do whatever we can that. to help uh, Poncho out. And whether you're a Bills fan or not, uh, you know, I think we should just do whatever we can to help uh, our fellow humans and especially with that beautiful family you have. Thanks for uh, doing this today. You know, good luck. We'll definitely see each other this football season. I promise, man. Yes. Yes, sir. I promise I'll do everything I can to be there. I guarantee it for sure. Hope you enjoyed all that from Ezra Castro, Pancho Billa. I appreciate him joining me and you for joining me here on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. Please click the subscribe button. At iTunes, also go to WGR550.com. You can download, you can listen right from there. And I'll talk to you next time on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.